Burner Phone is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. <laughs> Welcome to Burning You guys, I am so excited to have honestly the hottest comic in Ireland and the UK right now. It's Joanne McNally on the podcast. Welcome to Burning in Hell. Thank you. I did wear this shirt that says Ireland You're on so it to cute. show you that I'm an ally. You are an ally, yeah. I've always been obsessed with Irish men growing up, Irish Americans, which aren't, you know, real, real Irish. But I the Irish culture is so fucking funny, so critical. Yeah. So I just I fell in love with Ireland. We do comedy very well. And it's funny because Des, I have to remind myself Des is American because you're married to obviously Des Bishop who's mm-hmm. kind of Irish, Irish-American mm-hmm. but made his career in Ireland as an American comic. But mm-hmm. I forget he's not Irish, if you get me. No, and the- He practically is. He was raised there because it's, <laughs> it's a cultural thing. It's not- I've been to Dublin three times so I'm, I'm basically Irish you're now. Irish. Joanne, do you have an Irish visa? You got married. Did you get an Irish visa? Not yet. That's like logistics that I haven't even thought of yet. But you're entitled to one. I still don't have global entry, so I need to figure my stuff out. (laughs) It's causing a lot of tension in my relationship. I don't even want to talk about it. But the second I met Des, he was very good friends with you. And he always talked very highly of you as a comic. And he told me, though, he's like, she has had a very interesting life. And I said, I'd love to pick that woman's brain. Pick away, babe. You started comedy late in life. I did. Late in life. Late in life, yeah. Because a lot of comic. what age were you when you started? You know, around like between 25, 27, like stand-up was like 27. Yeah, so you're late-dish as well. Mm-hmm. Most comics, not most, but some comics you meet, they've been doing it since they were like 21, 22. I was 31, 32. Mm-hmm. I did my first gig, I think. Mm-hmm. In 2017. We won't fact check. Thank God. But Someone will at some stage, I'm sure. But tw- I think it was 2017 I did my first gig. And it was just like, you know, kind of a five minute thing. Uh-huh. And then I only really got going in maybe 2019. Did you want to be a comic growing up? No. That's what I'm obsessed with because I went to Joanne's show, the Prosecco Express. She's touring worldwide right now. She was just in Dubai. Big deal. I saw me Trump. Huge. (laughs) Huge deal. But I went like, I'm a comic. So I'm watching and you think you'd watch like, you know, looking at the jokes, like with more like comic eye. I became an audience member. I'm cackling. I'm high fiving girls next to me. I don't know. I'm getting drunk. And you are so fucking funny. It seems like you found what you were meant to do, but it took you a while to find that. It did. And I feel, do you know what? Like, I don't believe in kind of like fate or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But I'm so lucky. So I was working in PR at the time, publicity. So you were creative. Mm. (laughs) I always liked writing. Okay. And I, do you know what? I loved being on stage as a child. I was like kind of a bit of a show pony as a child. They say if you performed a lot as a child, you were mentally ill. (laughs) 
They would be that right. Was the, I was in like Gangster's Paradise music video when I was eight, and my parents were like, "Put this girl away, lock her up in a closet." Put her in a closet. Yeah, I know because I I think a lot of parents, if they don't come from like and like it's so few that parents that do work in show business or any of that shit. Mm-hmm. So if they don't and they have this child who's a bit outgoing and likes being on stage and I used to get cast well in plays. Now I mean like oh. when I, I mean the nativity play. Like I'm talking <laughs> I'm not talking you like were Jesus? Broadway. <laughs> I, I was <laughs> like usually Mary or Joseph not bragging uh, or Judas. Uh, you know I was never a donkey. The goat. <laughs> I was never a donkey. I was one of the main people. But if, if my mother I remember because she said to me, she was like, I just didn't really know what to do with you. And because she doesn't come from that kind of world, she just said acting will be like a hobby or something like that. Like, it's oh, not your- yeah. Our parents grew up in like corporate America. Yeah. Where they were like riding the corporate ladder, get your college degree. Yeah. It's set up. Yeah. This kind of world, especially now, the world that you're in is even different to the world that I, the comedy world I came up in because there was... I, just, I sound like I'm ancient but it happened so the online com- comedy thing happened so quickly it genuinely wasn't really that big a thing when I started um, so anyway the acting thing was put away I'd love to have been an actor I'd love to have been an actor I'm so you still can I'm so glad no I can't act for shit <laughs> I, the only reason I ever got cast as a, when I was younger it was because my la- my voice was so loud. Yes. And in school halls, there's no microphone system. So they just need a child who can scream and yell. Mm-hmm. And that was, I could project my voice. So I got cast in things. Yeah. And I loved drama. And I really <laughs> liked writing stories. And anyway, of course, that wasn't considered like a proper job or whatever. So I went to university and all that jazz and ended up working in PR because with PR, you can write. Like you write press releases and stuff. But it's pretty boring. It's, it was... I'd love to have been a writer, mm-hmm. but I didn't have the balls. That's the truth. I just didn't have the confidence to do it. Also, it's hard to just be like, I'm going to just write and see what happens. People do. I mean, they need to have money to like yeah, that's sustain that. It. Like, it's hard to be creative when you're like, I can't pay my bills. I know. But you see, in Ireland, because I did, I lived at home till I was much older. Mm-hmm. So I could have actually mm-hmm. taken a job with, when in fairness I did, I interned in PR company, so I was working for free anyway. Mm-hmm. But the writing thing, one thing I did, it's funny because I think now I am very confident, but I needed a lot of encouragement. Mm. Even in comedy, I need, I was kind of pushed into it. I didn't go into it myself. I needed the encouragement. And then when I realised I could make it work for myself, then I was like, I'll do it all myself. Do you know what I mean? Bang, yeah. bang, 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 it's bang. Like you got in, like, banging on doors. affirmation from the universe. I needed a lot of affirmation. I was I didn't have a lot of confidence, mm-hmm. even though I, I yeah it's a funny one. It was kind of a mix of kind of I yeah I just didn't really believe I could make a career out of those things because they're a bit airy fairy. Mm-hmm. A writer, an actor, they're not a guaranteed job. And I was raised to get a guaranteed job, pension yeah. job, pension job. Pension but job. I also can't really envision you the Joanne I know now in that like controlled nine to five environment I feel like you're too much of you're like a light like you just want to exp- you want to be dancing around on a stage well the, the agency I was in in fairness was a, like a, cause it was a creative agency mm-hmm. so it wasn't a very corporate agency we were like a youth company so we did you know we were you know yeah you were cool yeah we were like were there kegs in the office chains as necklaces <laughs> and, you know, Nightcare Max with like nine tongues. Remember those Adi- or was Adidas runners with the multiple tongues on them? Do you remember the multiple tongues? Okay, so you guys were like hip. We thought we were cool. Yeah. Um. So I guess that kind of scratched that creative itch a little bit. But I was I was getting quite down and a bit sad. And also, uh, uh, like I, at the time, I would I had a really bad eating disorder mm-hmm. that I was just 
ignoring and just functioning along with. Mm -hmm. And I think in hindsight now, I would think it was a sign of the fact that I just wasn't that fulfilled. You know, they talk about your cup and how full it is and how empty it is. Oh, yeah. You love, I love that council chat, therapy chat. They're like, is your cup full? Is your cup empty? And my cup was pretty empty. I was running on empty. So anyway, the more bored I got in my life, or bored is not the right term. uninspired. Exactly. I was in a rut. And I was like, is this it? And then my eating disorder got worse and worse and worse. And then eventually it just kind of spiraled out of all control. And then I was, I had to quit my job, which in a way was an absolute blessing in disguise because I was forced to change my path. Whereas I wouldn't have done it myself. I just would never have had the confidence to yeah, go, like, I'm going to jack it all in. That's why stand like, up. getting fired, breakups. I love I that shit because it's the universe. I know I don't mean to sound like willy nilly, but like the universe, but like, I feel I always say it's like surfing. Yeah, this, like if you're on find the right wave, you just go. I I agree. And like if you're not on the right wave, you just feel like you're getting punched in the face over and over again. Hundred percent. And like, some you know, not to go all Oprah on it and all, but like I do think <laughs> sometimes you're forced into a fresh chapter that you wouldn't have kind of started yourself, and it's mm-hmm. the best thing that ever happened to it's you. It's almost like everything around you knows that you're going to be better in a new environment except your own brain playing tricks on 100%. you. 100%. And sometimes I feel like your body and mind is so connected. Like when I'm in a bad situation, like I'll start getting panic attacks. Yeah. I'll start, you know, like losing my appetite. So it's almost like your physical and your mental are very related. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like I didn't develop anxiety disorder that that's not what I have at all but I definitely sometimes I'll make a commitment to something work-wise or personally and then I'll just be drowning in do you know that nauseous anxious feeling mm. I'm like, mm-hmm. Joanne you clearly don't want to do this thing <laughs> just fucking can't like just get out of it but I'm, I hate confrontation so I can't bear I hate saying no to things mm-hmm. or I hate cancelling things anyway that's my own personal problem yeah so I had to leave the job so then I was kind of forced to recalculate and recalibrate. And then I was, so I was in treatment, but I was only a day patient. So I wasn't in full time. So I was just kind of like going in and doing a bit of therapy during the day and visiting uh, with the um, uh, eating disorder centre. Like that was kind of, it was like a part-time job. And then my friend Una McEvitt who wasn't really my friend at the time, but obviously is a very good friend now. She was going into theatre and she was putting on this show called Singlehood, which the mm. premise was half real people, as real people, inverted commas, like non-actors or comedians, and half comedians and actors. And it was a cast of like seven or eight, seven or eight. And we would just stand on stage, stand up and down, up and down and talk about our love lives. And I think Una, she probably saw a bit of a, I was going to say thirst bucket in me. I think she saw I was a bit lost and I didn't know what I was doing. And I think she thought oh, she could probably do the job. Do you know the kind of way? So she was like, do you want to do the show? And I was like, yes, absolutely. And in the in the interim, what had happened was when I was, um, when I'd left my work and stuff and I was, I had this anonymous blog as we all did. Oh, sassy. Back in 2014. Yeah. Or whatever year sex it was. Sex in the city. Very sex in the city. <laughs> Before we were vlogging, we were blogging badly. I was badly blogging about bulimia. <gasps> And I think it was called Eat the Pastry. I'm, I can't find it. I've tried to find it on the internet since. I must have taken it down. I don't know. Anyway, a friend of mine, Doug, sent it to an editor in um, Ireland. And then she offered me a column off the back of that. So suddenly I was making a bit of money writing. 
it wasn't big money, but suddenly this new world was opening to me. And I was like, oh, hold on, maybe I wouldn't be shit in this world. Maybe I'd be good in and this world. And people are like interested in you because of these like struggles you're going through. Like it's almost making you unique. Well, the great thing was, her name was Vicky Nataro. She gave me my first column in Ireland. I said to her, do I need to write about bulimia? And she was like, no, write about it. I just like your writing. Write about anything you want. Oh, yeah. she fucking believed in you. Yeah. So I was like, wow. So suddenly it was, again, you're, someone's telling you, you can do, you can do this. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was it. Suddenly I was writing. It wasn't much, but I was writing. And then Una put me in this show. And then I, I, I because up to that point, because it's hard to explain, I suppose, but so many women struggle and men struggle with eating disorders at times in their life where it's like, eat, recovery, the only thing recovery meant to me was getting fat. Wow. That's all it meant. So yeah. it didn't mean, I didn't see the ba- the benefits of being able to like go out at the weekends again because I wouldn't go out because like it was bulimia mostly, right? So I couldn't bear to like put on any weight or drink or like, you know, yes. be watching the girls that go down to walk the pier and get an ice cream and I'd be like, how are they just eating an ice cream and just yes. moving on with their lives? Because that is your number one priority is controlling number the eating. one priority. Not relationships, not Nothing. jobs, not yourself. No. Your number one priority, what well, mine was, was shrinking. Every day I wanted to wake up smaller. That was it. You had to wake up smaller every day. because you're large. Okay, this is over <laughs> shit. You're larger than life. But like you really are. Like in person you're larger than life. On stage you're larger than life. And I know you said that like you're a bad actress, but it got me thinking like every night you're acting as yourself in stand-up. You're, it's a, a form of acting. It is. It and is. I could see you being in like rom-coms and stuff. You know Jennifer Aniston? Let's be honest. Yeah. Incredible. The same person in every movie. She is. You, like Chelsea okay. Handler, she's always going to be herself. Yeah. I feel like you, like in Sisterhood, being yourself and performing, I mean, it's kind of your stand-up. But do you know what? You're actually, you're actually right in the sense that, because ha- I've been cast in a couple of things that, I didn't think I did a very good job in because they were characters that were already written and then they were like, oh, we'll get you on and do that character. Were I cast as this? Yes. Because your sense of self is like so strong, but it's also like you've been through some fucking darkness. I mean, because I'm a woman, yeah. obviously I've had eating struggles. Like when I was 16, 17, I was had a lot of pressure with tennis. I was a tennis player. Yeah. And I couldn't control if I was winning. I couldn't control if like my parents were spending money on me and I had a lot of pressure, but I could control that I ate healthy every day. Yeah. And I was, if you looked at it, it was kind of, I was eating like oatmeal, chicken. I was eating a lot. Yeah. But I was working out six hours a day. Wow. So I looked in the mirror one day and I was tiny. Yeah. And I remember all I thought about was food. Yeah. All I thought about was other people's food. Yeah. And you're like, you're like, but I went, I got help, and I'm very lucky yeah. that I recovered before I, like, went to college and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But it's funny you mentioned, like, getting healthy meant, like, getting bigger. Someone commented on my Instagram the other day, you look healthy. And I took it, like, I spiraled. I was like, are you calling me fat? Yeah. <laughs> or, like, body positive. Someone called me body positive the other day, and I was like... Healthy, I know. <laughs> you know, you're like, how do I take that? I don't know how to take it. I shouldn't care what they're saying, but in a way, it does seem like, <laughs> like if you'd said to me when I was in recovery, if you'd said to me, I actually had to stop people saying, you because as I was kind of getting better, I was obviously putting on a couple of pounds. And um, if someone said to me, you look, you look good, Joanne, you look good, you look healthy, I would spiral. 
Well, that to me just meant nowadays people are like just stop talking about women's bodies totally. in general like when they know pre- like you know when someone's like oh you don't even look pregnant or that kind of stuff even when I first met you out of my mouth I go you're so tall and afterwards I was like oh my god I feel like I sh- I sh- that was weird to say no you can say tall I guess it, but my thing is the way you carry yourself like even on stage is like like kind of this like little vibrant woman you know like the way you carry yourself is so light if you, you know, what I mean, you literally prance on stage. I do prance actually, but then you're like a model when you meet you in person. Oh my I look up. She's quite, she's quite tall. And I'm quite tall, five ten. But I mean, literal model. So you're mid twenties, mm. which is like honestly Arrival. such a scary time. You're so confused. You don't know what's going on. Do you know what I think? It was when I look back now. I think something, something in me wanted to excel at something, to exceed at something, to be successful at something, and. Professionally, I had a good job, but it didn't feel like there was anything big happening there. I, this is fucked up, but people who are, have eating disorders like fully that they fully commit to, they're always like the most type A impressive. Like you have to be fucking like disciplined it to takes, have an eating it takes, disorder. It takes a lot of like time. the way you committed to bulimia. Yeah, you've now I feel like put that towards your. I, career? I, I it's agree. Amazing. So what I th- so it's my my commitment was to being thin, right? So the so the commitment that I had towards being the thinnest person in the room, mm-hmm. and then I thank God kind of shifted into like so that drive perspective was what it's I put in all perspective. Comedy, thank God. What do you? I got th- obsessed with comedy then. Well, I, I didn't actually get obsessed with. Comedy, I just kind of started. Gigging. But you have to have a little addictive personality to like stand up and a little of a like like the pain a little bit yeah a little bit like I know it's hard but I'm gonna push through yeah which like (laughs) I grew up in America and I know our like beauty standards and the fucking magazines and all that bullshit in Ireland do you what do you think contributed to Joanne turning towards getting wanting to be skinny I don't know I think who are we blaming Uh, who are we blaming Cosmo I I blame Cosmo too (laughs) I'll sue those motherfuckers. I blame God. They're always like, how did I like, give a blood job so he doesn't hate you? So you don't look fat on top. Or it's like, how to ride a guy with no rolls. Hips are in. What? How can hips, when do they go out? You guys have a big ass, but I've you also have hip. no ovaries. You have to flatten the ovaries. <laughs> and don't make sure your ankles aren't too wide because men don't, men don't even know if you get your hair cut. Men can't even tell if you cut three inches off your hair. And we're like nervous about a Role. I think they're as brainwashed as we are, to be honest. I had more boyfriends when I was riddled with bulimia than I've ever had before or since. And you don't need to make the gag reflex joke. It's it's there. Let's not address it. <laughs> <laughs> we were joking. <laughs> but, I but I swear to God, because they were as brainwashed as I was. But Joanne. I, lo- I, was, I looked unwell you, and they were like. But you sexy. couldn't be yourself in the relationship because you cared no. more about bulimia than him probably three months in every relationship they break up for me every single one of them three months in boom. three months in that was when they were like this woman is bananas and they be like and I was do you know what when they break up, broke up for me I'm not even messing I was relieved yeah. I was like I can go home to my bulimia now and be oh at God. peace with myself and my bulimia and power through yeah what I just need them. They were actually a hassle. How many people knew about this? How much of a secret was it? Well, towards the end, everyone knew because it everyone just became very obvious. What was that like Physically. for everyone to know? I was just, to be honest, I was so, I was so, I don't know is the truth. I know that some of them found it very upsetting. 
Um, some of them were like, we just can't. We're di- uh, to be honest, I kind of disappear. You disappear a bit. You don't. Really, it's not like you're real. So- you're not socializing anymore. Mm-hmm. They know it. Some of them brought it up. Some of them didn't. Mm-hmm. Then when I kind of quit my job and started treatment, I wouldn't shut up. I could, there was nothing because I'd <laughs> lied about it for so long that I couldn't stop talking about it. Then it's probably so refreshing. I wrote, it was absolutely liberating. They're like, Jermaine, how are you? Bulimic. How are you? <laughs> I'm riddled with bulimia. No, Back in my mother's attic. How are you? What's the Secrets thing literally like rot you. Yeah. From the inside out. Yeah. And to hide something and also to feel like, I feel like shame is the hardest emotion and I've dealt with shame. A hundred percent. We don't talk about shame. Like it's not embarrassment. It's not like, it's shame, shame is like you are so like sad about yourself. It's embarrassing. I was so embarrassed. Yeah. Because I, I didn't think of it as <clears throat> like, if you look at it as a mental illness, which of course it is, I felt it was self-inflicted. I felt I I was doing it to myself. <clears throat> I was powering it. It was up to me that I, it wasn't kind of It was of like a, a sick self-hatred. It wasn't some sort of like um, kind of unwiring of my brain, which I think now I look back now, the psychiatrist is like, there's a, there's a problem with the compulsive side of your brain. It's imbalanced or whatever. But um, I didn't think of it like that. So it was all self-inflicted. My choice, my reason, my body, my choice. Mm-hmm. I was choosing to do this. So I didn't see it. So when it was banged into me, this is a mental illness, there was such relief. But I just kind of gave over, gave myself over to being a patient then. I was like, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not responsible for it. Yeah. I'm possessed by something else. <laughs> and then that only will get you so far because uh-huh. you can enjoy that period of release as you kind of admit that it's not it's not of your doing that you're broken in your brain. Yeah. But then you have to start the work of actually exactly. fixing it, which is like, you know, well, it's tough. When people are, let's say, like addicted to alcohol, I feel like it's a mental disease, but people don't treat it like it's cancer. Exactly. And then like even bulimia, some people could think like, oh, she like just wanted to be skinny. That is the most oversimplified way it of is. describing it. It's literally a mental illness of trying to, like function I think if you are um because thinness I, I, I do think it's different now I think things have moved on but thinness was so celebrated even when I was a teen like I was I came up in the like noughties where everyone was just like a stick insect and those juicy couture jeans were hanging off their hip bones and that was what I was raised on so thin was in and there was no such thing as too thin and it was all size zero and all that jazz and that was what was celebrated and that's what, if you, it didn't matter what you were doing, wh- whatever, however your life was falling apart in every other way. If you were thin, you were successful. That was it. That was it. So it didn't matter that I'd lost my job, lost my boyfriends, that I was back in my mum's house, that I'd had to give up my, the house I was living in with my housemates. That didn't matter. I was thin. So everything else was fine. But I would, but now looking back, it's like, are you happier now or when you were, when you were starving yourself? Oh my God, a hundred percent. But it's so refreshing. I never thought that that would happen. I just thought I'll get, I'll, I'll have to recover and I'll just put on weight and just be sad forever that I've got weight on me and I'll never like myself or my body, mm-hmm. but that's just what I have to do now because people are getting tired of me now. There is, there is a kind of a line where people go, there's only so much sympathy in the world for you. Yeah. That's the truth. There's like a time ticker. Like, it's, okay, yeah. well, two years, we'll give you, yeah, you'll give you this, but then we're moving on. Ex- that's exactly what, that's exactly. And I remember one of my friends, I won't say her name because she, I'd say, she, I said it to her since and she's like, did I say that? I was like, you did. And it was actually a great piece of advice. She said, you know, people will only put up with you being a patient for so long, Joanne, and then people will move on. 
Mm. So you need to start this process of recovery. Like you need to start actually engage. She's a nurse. She's like, you need to start actually engaging with recovery instead of just going around town when you're bulimic. That's not recovery. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, really? It feels great. It's like, we love the billboard you put up in Dublin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say something really dark there, I found. But, um... <laughs> so did you... Were you able to meet other women struggling with similar th- things at all? Uh, I have since. Like, I have friends who, when I spoke about it, because I, I went on then. So the Una, who cast me in Singlehood, she then came up with the idea of turning that blog into a show, like a play. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for, you know, the one woman play that um, most performers start with this kind of one woman play called Bite Me. What a good name. Bite Me, yeah. That was Una's idea. She's brilliant and she directed that and she co-wrote it. She kind of took that, those, um, I don't know what you'd call them, kind of just chapters. And you also must have been so vulnerable them. during that, during doing all the therapy, like finally realizing things about yourself. Yeah, it was, a, it, it's, it's, a, yeah, I don't want to put anyone off who's thinking about starting the journey of getting better, <laughs> but you really, it does, you really have to. Work at it. You have to work at it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, anything so you many... want is going to be difficult on totally. the other side. And it's so easy. Habits are hard to break. And I guess I had so many bad habits around food then. You have to really want to get better. And eventually, it's just time. It's like a breakup. It's just time. Time yeah. heals all wounds. Time and heals. perspective so crazy how like after you realize what's been fucked up that's been like said to you by the media or your family or whatever, when you're out of it and you see people talking about it, you're like, Oh, I don't, that's not going to hurt me anymore. No, I, I know. I know that like, I don't have to listen to you. Totally. Or like, you're the one who's messed up. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be a part of it. I believed the narrative. I, I believed what I was being sold online that basically the only value I had to offer society was my body. Yeah. And that the only way that was valuable was if it was thin. And I didn't think I had any other value. I really genuinely didn't. And one of my favorite quotes is my body is the least interesting thing about me. Yeah. And that is, I feel like you are such an example of that where like when someone meets you, you just get smacked in the face by your energy. Like you get smacked in the face by Same. Like, oh my God. Thank you. You're welcome. I also, that's what I always try to feel about my body. Cause like my weight's fluctuated. And I do think like as people who have anxiety, I'll put it into something like instead of addressing like maybe like actual things, I'll be like, Oh, if I just focus on getting skinny, I'll be happy. Yeah. But that's black and white. I know. Bitch, you'll get skinny and you're still going to be miserable. I know. It's like even people sometimes with plastic surgery will be like, if I get this boob job, yeah, everything is going to be Work good in my out. life. And then they get it and they get this post-depression, not because not it's wrong to get a boob job, but because they assumed it was going to fix I know. everything. And it, you're still the same person, but just with perky tits. Yeah, I know. That aren't going to be these like answers. I know. There is a momentary thrill or there's a moment a moment like yeah a feeling of success when you get into a smaller size jean or something but then you're literally just sitting back up in your mum's attic sitting there while all your friends are out living their life mm-hmm. having relationships well still all the things that have haunted you from your childhood are still there exactly and like <laughs> I think eating disorders they're kind of complicated I don't think it's one thing mm-hmm. I'm adopted that probably played a part in it there's this kind yeah. of uh, w- wanting to impress people all the time Want was an adopted child you're tap dancing around the place going don't regret collecting me do you know what I mean don't regret I don't know yeah. this is what they say Yeah, it's impossible I mean, to that know makes, I mean so much about like therapy is talking about like your inner child and like reparenting yeah. and talking to your inner child but what makes me happy about your story is like and 
I feel similar to you that like I've done a lot of different careers, but I feel the most similar to like Hannah when she was six years old. I didn't care about what my body looked like. Yeah. I just wanted to be goofy and make people laugh. And like you found who like that little girl was. Totally. Well, I'll tell you how Before I actually she got was into affected it. by things. Well, I was always a bit weird about my weight mm-hmm. because I was a tall child. Mm-hmm. When you're like, when you're like, when we played mommies and daddies, I was always the daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I was only saying it on the podcast I do with Vogue today. So I did a school play. We did the sound of music, and I auditioned for the part of Liesel. And mm-hmm. I, do you know? Do you know what they cast me as? Rolf the Telegram Boy. Do you remember the sound of music? Yeah, that'll traumatize someone. Exactly. There's yeah. no coming back from that. <laughs> There's no coming back. So I was always made feel, I always felt quite big felt in large. myself. I, yeah, I was too big, you know. So my dad would have cornered you and been like, you want to be a volleyball player? Yeah, you, you see? want to be a basketball player? I would love that. Yeah. Like, my, also, me growing up, because I was from a sports family, my body was always about being um, strong, a vessel. Yeah. So it was about, like, you're the fastest. Are you the strongest? Yeah. So I dealt with other things like perfectionism with winning yeah. to feel loved but it's just so funny how like it's other things put on you of course because if you weren't cast as that man <laughs> it would have changed like if people were like you are going to be a volleyball star you'd have anxiety with volleyball but, but it would have made you f- have a different perspective on your life my, when I was growing up strength was not a thing that was encouraged in girls now, I wasn't in a sporty family, so I don't know. I can't speak. That's not fair to make that really sweeping statement. But mm-hmm. certainly among my group of friends, you it know wasn't about potential strength. In your... It wasn't about strength. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Joanne could pick up a strong log. <laughs> <laughs> like I was Look the, go- I was the goalie table. in hockey. <laughs> they were just like, fill the goal there. Yeah. Just like, but it's true. It's almost like, like when slug. you'll meet a guy older who's like super hot, but he's insecure. And then he's like, oh, I was a fat kid. Yeah. And you're like, oh, there's that kid's still there. Carry it always, don't you? As in, just the insecurity. But I, comedy genuinely got me out of that headspace because it's you're going in where you're going into this industry where if you're good at your job, you know, you get booked, you can see your progress, and people clap, tell you you're funny. Like it's it makes you feel good about yourself. Yeah. So when I was in singlehood and I was telling a story about a guy who just broken up at me. And again, obviously three months, boom, like clockwork. And I was kind of being, I was being facetious, but I was saying like he was bald. But I, you know, when I, I was falling for my, you know, he looked like he got a full head of hair. And then <laughs> when he was breaking up me, I was like, you're bald. You sound like you're, this conversation sounds like you think you've got a full head of hair. I was being a dickhead. Anyway, there was another comedian who um, was in the show at the time. And he was like, oh, oh, I think you should do stand-up because I was standing up telling the story, but there was a cast sitting down behind me. So anyway, he was very encouraging in fairness to him. He was really encouraging and him and Una kind of encouraged me to give it a go. Mm-hmm. And then then that's that's what happened. And then I got signed in the UK and then I went over there and I just kind of put everything in it then, all the eggs in the comedy basket and just hammered the gigs. Hammered them, but nothing really happened. It was not that it wasn't happening, but I was gaining a little bit of momentum. But it's gaining momentum via gigging. It's a slow process, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then but podcasts are, of course, a much faster way of getting into people's ears, yeah, and eyes. And uh, so then during lockdown, I started a podcast with Vogue called My Therapist Ghosted Me, and then that that's why I can do shows in New York now and things like that because podcasts travel. And isn't it funny that the th- that's just like you and your best friend chatting shit, cracking? What's that mean? Doing the crack. Cracking, we're just cracking. <laughs> That's really cute. We're just doing the crack. 
We're just, just doing crack. Having crack. We're just having crack. <laughs> having the crack. Burner Phone is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate. Then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. I also, for women who like, there's a bunch of listeners who probably have struggles struggles with their eating. Do you have any like advice for when you you're in like that time where you feel fucking crazy? Like you don't trust your own brain. Ugh. It was We've awful. We've all been there. Yeah. So all... The, uh, no. It's <laughs> <laughs> the honest answer. Get professional help. No, admit that you need someone else to help just you. Start. It's like studying for an exam. Just start it. Just get it. Just start. Yeah. And then just get on the, get on the right track. But um, I remember... So when I was unwell, um, if someone said to me, you're too thin, because they would say it because they were concerned... All I heard was, you're too thin. Like it was yeah, a, positive. a positive. So, and I remember one time when a friend of mine said to me, she's like, you look really sick. I'm really worried. You look really unwell. And it was the first time I was like, oh, maybe I'm not this glamazon, chic, mm-hmm. model-esque type waif that I thought I was. Mm-hmm. I actually look sick, mm-hmm. which I never wanted to look sick. No. I wanted to look super thin to- and cool. I didn't want to look sick. And I remember when she told me, she started using the word sick. And I didn't like that at all. That made me worry about. That, that is made when me a bit you worried. want to be like, I look healthy. I look like I take care of myself. I look like I love being in the skin. I also just I tell myself that if I get too skinny, my head's gonna look big. That was the rage when I was going up lollipop heads. Lollipop heads. Everyone like, looked like a chupa chup. It's it's so <laughs> sick. It's so sick. And I wonder now because I do think maybe I'm naive, but I do think things are better for girls now. I do. I do. I will also because so much was fo- Focus on sex and beauty growing up. Yeah. And what to do for men to like you. It was yeah. Like, Curl your hair so he'll like you. Laugh like this so he'll like you. Where now we have so many more women who are excelling in so many things. And like, who knows how many women you're inspiring yeah. to do comedy when instead they were oh, trying yeah. to fit a mold of like the cute, quiet girl. I know. This... When like, you're just not it. Do you know what as well I think is a big thing? When I was um, growing up and when I was certainly when my eating disorder started, when it finished, Instagram was kind of established but mm. the only women we were shown were the women that the industry chose to show to us so like billboards magazines mm-hmm. and there was only one and that was heroin chic and mm. that was it there was nothing else Kate Moss Kate Moss looked like I, I love Kate but heroin chic it's like ultimately you have to look like yeah. you've been you've fallen at the back of a crack house yeah. to be considered sexy and attractive yeah. whereas now anyone can model anyone's a model you know what I mean? There's like mm-hmm. women of all sizes. Oh, yeah. Like influencing, creating contact online, content online. There's, you can find yourself represented much easier now than you could. Yes. When I was growing up, you just couldn't. Yes. And there's a part of the, like some girls will see a model and be like, I really like that's me. Like I want to do that. And maybe that brings them joy. But I always saw like, like I joke like Barbara Corcoran or like I'd see these like businesswoman or like Chelsea Handler and I'd be like I want to be like them Mm. like that's who I gravitated towards that's amazing that's that's amazing though and like the fact that you can put yourself out there now it's 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 just fucking awesome especially like in Ireland and America there's the female comics there's in the big screen there's not as many and where in Ireland or America 
both. Yeah. We see I when when I started, I keep I keep sounding like I've been gone 30 years, but yeah. There I I benefited from the trickle down effect of Amy Schumer basically. Wow. Cuz Amy start Amy just like popped and yes. everywhere and then suddenly it was like, "Oh, what about what about women in comedy? You know, maybe yeah. we need a woman." And then there was certain uh, panel shows that they felt the pressure. People suddenly wanted to see women on telly and they're like, we need a woman, we need a woman. Mm-hmm. So there was work I definitely got because I was a woman. There's work I didn't get because I was a woman. It went True. both ways. True. Uh, but so I kind of rode the wave, The I rode the Amy Schumer wave. That's how I was oh, able to come up. Amy really. Schumer is the fucking best. Like, when I watched Trainwreck, I, so it changed funny. my life. Like I was like, this is what I want to do. It's I want to so fall on my face at a Knicks game. But now like you're in the public eye. Suddenly... In you are your face is everywhere, your body's everywhere. Going on stage, how have you done that? Like little check of like we're not going to fall into old patterns, kind of thing. I think it's tough, but I had a therapist. I don't actually see her anymore. Well, one of them goes to me. We can say the podcast came about, but he wasn't. He wasn't an ED therapist. But um, I think I, I'm. I feel like a completely different person. Like mm-hmm. I don't really recognize myself in my 20s you've really the wires are like gone I, I just don't recognize that person who would um hurt themselves like that who mm. would sabotage their bodies like that to impress some fucking random lad in a bar do you know what I mean exactly yeah. I just don't recognize that and person at all dudes, but it's, I love my balls I, I say I'm jealous of balls I love balls because I want my pussy to be that smooth <laughs> Like the razor burns on my pussy. Do you see how they glisten? Hold on. Do you know? Do you not? Uh, I'm laser. lasering, but it's it's. I have to laser more than Star Wars. It's to, a slow. Process. I'm Italian and Jewish. It's a whole thing. I'm like a dolphin now from the eyebrows down. Ugh. Right. Ugh. So Ugh. Ugh. But then my look friend at- Una, Una's like, <laughs> Una's like, why would you do that to yourself? You look like a child. And I was like, oh my god, I'm sorry. <laughs> and now I'm really worried when it goes back out of fashion. Chelsea Handler had a joke about what she's supposed to do, get plugs, because she's done the same. Mm-hmm. All these women, we just follow the trends. But also, there's a bit of self-hating there as well, a bit of self-loathing that like, well, waxing, I can't have a single hair on I my body. I would get mad at the guy I was with during the wax. I'd be like, this motherfucker's not worth it for him. How dare he make me do this? Pain of us. But the laser, my thing is, I get sweaty. I don't want to feel like there's like stuff growing in there, but that's funny hair plugs. To- I need to get legs in America. I because because I'm torn and aren't at the moment what I was, I used to get laser in Ireland and I cannot bear the chance that some woman, while I'm pulling my legs apart, she's like... That is so funny because that happened to me during a spray tan. And I was much. like, I need... I just I was like, to, you know, need... flapping around labia everywhere. And she was like, <laughs> I think I saw you on Bravo. And I'm like, you've seen a lot of me. You've seen too much of me. <laughs> I, I can't come back here. That's the. Yeah, I don't need to be on Scarlet. Reddit. Someone talking about my pussy, like <laughs> it's so undignified. The positions for it's so undignified. There's no way of walking out of there with your dignity. There's just no way. Like, do they use the lollipop stick over here? <gasps> what is that? To pull your to pull your labia open. Oh no! Sometimes just to pull yourself. Like, there's just no dignity in it, and you just don't no. want someone to be like, "Oh my god, I saw you, but <laughs> You just there's just no dignity. So now I just put on. You know, dark better than her stand her butthole. It was. It looks <laughs> too much when I was after. <laughs> I also stand up. Like I was looking at like your outfit was so cute. You look so comfortable. Stand up is hard because you know when you have those like bad body days where you just like 
you don't feel like you want to wear a tight dress. 100%. But you've you've picked your outfit for the gig. Yeah. And you're like, I not only have to stand here and suck it in because I'm bloated from chicken parmesan. Everyone's staring at my fupa. Like, I'm on stage and it's like... I feel like men don't have to deal with this as much where we have to put on an outfit that we feel comfortable in. We we can do confident jokes in. Like, do you ever feel it's difficult I, so to put yourself out there? Th- this is, I suppose, how much I've come on in my brain and my thoughts and my attitude towards myself. Mm-hmm. There are nights that I, because obviously I've been on, I've been on tour for since December 2021. Wow. Right. And I love wine. And my weight goes up and down, same as everyone else's. Mm-hmm. And there are obviously nights that you're not, you know, because I wear quite a slinky <laughs> jumpsuit thing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's photos taken that you're like, that's not great for morale. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was like, <laughs> it's not my job. The to, team didn't need that. It's not my job to be attractive over here. That's not my job. My job is to try and make people laugh. It's not my job to be hot. It's not, I'm not taking that on. Wait, I'm obsessed with that. It's not because my job. I'll take photos of meet and greets and I will not. I'm just too tired to like suck in, to smile the right way. Like I'm just enjoying the people around me. Yeah. And then the photos look horrible. But I, just, I actually don't care. No. I'm like, I'm like, I didn't promise them a, a great photo. And it I is promised like, them a fun night. Even Beyonce, <laughs> as in she like banned photos being taken over her gigs because she's so animated. Yes. And then they're taking these, what she would consider unflattering photos and then putting them all over the internet. She did something like that where she just she just lets a professional photographer take, because sometimes there's a photo taken and you're like, I didn't well, yeah, you see, see that. I mean, stand up, it's impossible to get like an attractive photo while you're talking. There's no way to get your lip the right way while you're making a dick joke. I know, sadly. But again, like there's almost a part of you that's like the little Hannah would think it's so cool that I have a photo of me on stage in front of people with a microphone. That's it. No one's going to be like, oh, my double chin is showing in that. Once they're laughing, that's all that matters. Also, I'd argue if I don't have a little double chin. I don't know if I'll be able to be that expensive. Be ha- exactly. You're not You're not that happy. <laughs> I've got Botox. I can't move up here. I need to move the rest of me. To wiggle around. To express my feelings. So you said you were adopted, which I actually just recently found out. But you're of Irish descent? Yes. Like if I did an ancestry, like I'd say there isn't oh, yeah, even I a heard. sniff of anything. I'd say it's 100% Ross Common, which is where I'm adopted out of Ar- in Ireland. Yeah, it's... Pure Kerrygold butter yeah, inside to cut you open. Yeah. Um, my favorite. And Des was saying, because Des is obsessed with his Irish history yeah. and looking into that. How deeply have you looked into your history? Do you know what? It's a funny one because you, you end up, for me, I can only speak of, from my own POV, mm-hmm. but um, my own experience of adoption is that you kind of fall between two stools when you're adopted. So you were biologically spat out over there Mm -hmm. but you were culturally raised here Mm. so if you were to like kind of search your ancestry or your or your where you came from which do you go for do you go for blood or do you do you go for the family you're adopted into it's just a weird one I've never so I've never had an interest in doing it really Mm -hmm. I feel like a kind of a you're a bit you end up being a bit of a like obviously my priority is my family obviously but so because I am adopted when I grew up I was quite curious about my abilities. Like, did I have a secret talent for piano <laughs> yeah. that I never knew about, yeah. you know? And like, then, am I a Nepo baby? Yeah, am I a Nepo baby? And you're praying. You're fucking praying for you're a bit like of Nepo. you singing in the shower like, ah, nope. Ah. <laughs> Mariah, is that yeah? 
um, I was praying for a bit of nepotism, but sure, there was no, I thought there was no nepo in me at the side. It's so funny. You just start playing chess and you're like, I knew it. I know. But it's so, because as a child, you're, you're so curious about yourself, really. And, um, especially as an adopted kid, because you really come out with very little context for yourself. You're just this kind of, thing that just sprang out of the ground you don't know where you came from you've no roots as mm-hmm. such you've nothing to look back you've no blueprint to look back and go oh that's where I do this or oh look I have, a, I have that person's nose you've none of that yeah. and I was always really jealous of people who looked like people that was my big oh, oh I was like oh I just would love to have looked like someone didn't look like anyone so shit what was the question well just being adopted and like your families and how you've kind of how much interest you had in it that was it so I had a big interest in it because, and it kind of plays back into that whole performing thing mm-hmm. and the writing thing. And I felt like maybe I'd inherited that mm-hmm. because it wasn't in my adopted family. They really didn't have any interest in that kind of thing. And um, so then when I found my birth parents, they were exactly like my adopted parents. They were just two regular people working regular jobs, mm-hmm. making a living, you know, just like mm-hmm. normal people. Mm-hmm. Um, which is actually what you want. Yeah. Like imagine finding out you were some fr- from some like fucking showbiz dynasty. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I'd love to find out I was one of the Beckhams. Do you know David Beckham? <laughs> yeah. But I think we're a bit too close in age. But you that would have be, been the girl. I'd love be to be a Beckham. You might be related to Nick Cannon at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> we're spits of each other. Oh my God. How do you think it affected now your relationship with like love, your relationship with other people, yourself being adopted. It's so, I don't know. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you know? Because all I know is my own experience. Yes. And I know wh- where I kind of fall down a bit and I know that I can be a bit, um, uh, uh, is it uh, fearful avoidant? That's my attachment stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I said, but but you, how do you know what parts of it are, would you ha- have had anyway and what parts of it are a product of being adopted? It's impossible to yeah. know. It's like mixing paint and then trying to separate them again. I don't know. Yeah. And it's funny because family is such a complicated concept where like some people, it doesn't matter if it's your real family, they don't ever feel that close to them. <gasps> Oh, you know? exactly. Yeah, like exactly. Fa- and family to some people is so important and family to some people is really not. So my family, like I don't feel adopted. They just feel like my family, but yeah. I'm, I've am i been told I'm adopted and I'm assuming that is the truth. So yeah. I'm just like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Also, but, your stand up with your mom is fucking hilarious. But I'm not like, oh, hello, Patricia. <laughs> Thanks for letting me stay for the last 39 years. Thanks for the acom. She's just my mom and my brother's my brother. Why did she want to adopt? Because she couldn't have kids. Mm-hmm. And she, at the time, you know, she's like, that's what you do. You get married, you have kids. Yeah. And funnily enough, my father wasn't that enthused about it. Uh-huh. And um, was she, my mother, I would think is fair to say, wore the pants. My dad's dead now. He died maybe 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. But um, she was like, we're adopting. I used to do it in the or something. I can't remember what it was. We're adopting. He goes, we're not or, no, sorry. Anyway, it was something like they're in the car. I can't remember. She gave, she gave me a called Joy. Me wanting to adopt a cat with Des. He's like, no, we're not. And I'm like, she's, she's in here. The yeah. She's in the hallway. She's in the litter box. Yeah. So, oh, too late. Her paws coming through the cat flap. I mean, there is something nice about 
Like someone like really chose you. Like Yeah, well I mean she didn't really. She was giving me. Like this is I used to think that they walked into this kind of glass, this corridor, this glass um window, and then they, there was a line like, of babies. Like window shopping. They're like, we want that one. Yeah. But they did and the, but they did they just collected me out of a hatch or something. I don't know where out there. There's some, it was a children's hospital, they called it. I think it's an orphanage really, but wow. you were they were you were just given a baby. When but did she tell you you were adopted? I always knew. So it I was like, like a story, you know, a nighttime story. And it was all about love. Everyone loves you so much that everyone just loves you and wants you to be loved the most and you're so loved and all. Just briefly, how are you like in New York? Oh my God, I love it. It's actually given me uh, a kind of a lust for stand-up again. Not that I was jaded, but I think doing the tour, you're doing the the same show so many nights that I'd forgotten the crack of just being in the clubs and watching other comics. I'm not really around other comics anymore because I'm touring. So... I was like, I could come over here. I reckon, I reckon I'd write a show quicker here than in London. Well, I think when you see a scene where there's like, it's more, a new scene. There's creativity going yeah. on, and you're like, oh, uh, uh, where do I fit in here? Where can I add to yeah. this? And who can I, you know, learn from? Or I was, it was like, start, it's like starting a new school. I'm excited. Wait, can you tell everyone your observation about the street? Because that made me laugh so hard. What did I say when I sent you the photo of <laughs> the street? And you were sending your mom photos of the street. Oh, the school buses and all the smoke coming out of the floor. <laughs> the smoke coming out of the floor. What is it? Why? What is the? What is that smoke? I don't know, and nobody knows, <laughs> but it's just there. Steam that comes out of the road. Yeah, it looks like you know there's like a genocide happening, but no one cares. It's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, don't worry about that. Just close your nose when you walk by. But they, but it's because you're raised on. It's because New York is. So many things are set in New York. It's yeah. like walking onto a film set. Yeah. I literally, I, I was, I had to wait till I found a school bus with no kids in it because I was like, I don't want to be, <laughs> don't, I don't want to look like a pedophile. And I found one parked, and I was videoing, I went videoing the school bus because it, it was like, like seeing a Tyrannosaurus Rex in the wild. I just couldn't get like my head a sitcom. It. It's like a sitcom. It's like walking onto the set of a sitcom. Yeah, well, you were saying you watched Sex in the City growing up, and like if and you was if you lived here for a little, like you'd literally be living that life of Sex in the City, like going doing a show, going to get a cocktail afterwards with the girls, and then some guy. Remember, I remember um, was it when they went to that club bed? Did you watch it? Yes, club bed. And then Burger's friends were there, and Carrie's like, "Oh my god, is no other club?" Oh, Opening tonight? I'll never forgot it. <laughs> That's another. so New York where they find like the weirdest, shitest yeah. thing of the moment. Is there no other club opening tonight? <laughs> love Sex and City so much. I love it. I remember once my mother was like, if I hear that theme tune one more time, because oh, no. I bought the box set and it was every, just it's over the only and over. dopamine do, hit do, you do, can do, get. Do, do, do. Da, 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 da. Um, and you were a writer, so it works. Okay, this has gone really happy. Let's get back dark because this is too positive. Please. We're going to play a game. Self-loathing. Oh, right, yeah. We're going to play a game called The Seven Deadly Sins. Seven Deadly Sins. What are you greedy about? Oh. Ooh. I I can be a bit greedy about men. Ooh. Yeah. Like, you... You you're not like oh, I'm over it. You like to have. I've had different. I've had different <laughs> men. Men. I like to have men. Um, I've had different types of relationships, and some relationships haven't brought out the best in me. Yeah, and I felt like I was greedy in those situations. Mm. But then also they weren't really giving me what I needed. It was complicated. But yeah. I can be definitely like I'm quite territorial. I think sometimes. Yes, and I can be a bit greedy with. Men. Yeah. So you're and booze. I'm greedy with booze. Mm-hmm. 
That's liquor to you. But it's funny because liquor. I feel like in in it's such like a cultural thing being good at drinking in Ireland. And there's a thin line between like being good at drinking and then being like too good at drinking. Yeah. Where you're like, is I'm, I'm... is this too good? <laughs> Like drinking's the only thing if you're really good at it, people recommend you stop doing it. Like I hung out with you at brunch and I had no no point was I like, oh, she was completely sober sounding and I was like, this is the most impressive feat I've ever seen at a brunch. Me and Brandon Courtney and yeah, we were ordering like um, Bloody Mary's wine. Bloody Mary to me is so heavy. I was, I took like two sips and I was like, oh my God. It's like ramen, it's soup. Yes. But you, so when you came, because the night you came to Prosecco and then after... (laughs) <laughs> and have a glass of champagne and people like you fascinate me because she'll sit there with a glass of champagne and I'll go to top her up and I've drank my whole glass and she hasn't it's like you, it's like, I like no interest in it I forget I have yeah it. you see I would never that's like when people I'm, say I forgot to eat I can't get my head not- around that see I, I'm notoriously as like Italian descent Everything was about food growing up in a good way. Like food is love, food is sharing. I look forward to meals. I, I if you're like, do you want to hang out? I go, let's get food. Yeah. But like drinks, I always like, I lose my wit when I get too drunk. Like I'm like, mm, like that's me when I get drunk. Same. It doesn't stop me though. <laughs> <laughs> and then like I'm peeing and I don't like having to pee. No, you're just not a drinker. And like, it's not a good drinker. Not, you're so lucky. <laughs> you are so lucky. Drinking. Be careful what you wish for. Drinking thrills me. Like it yeah. makes me like the pop of a wine bottle. Mm-hmm. I am there. But that's why I think the express. The I love express, it. I love the, the chat. Prosecco Express is so fun because it's like you're on stage and you just look like you're having the time of your life. You're drinking afterwards. Sometimes stand up could be like so much work, but it's fine that in between because people have too much fun with the drinking. Yeah, it's like not sustainable in a career like stand up. Yeah. So there was definitely a point in the tour that I was like, okay. <laughs> I want to live to see the next show. Yeah, it's like this isn't physically sustainable. What do you do for your hangovers? The problem is I don't really get hangovers. Now I That's had one. Dangerous. I had one really bad one in New York. Actually, remember I was saying to you. Yeah. I don't know how that happened. I miscalculated. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> but and it you, was vicious. You might have been a little jet lagged. Salpadine. Who are you envious of? Oh. And it could be a type of person too. I'm envious of, do you know what I'm really envious of? Tidy people, organized people. Same. Yeah, I just don't have that, whatever that. People who like to relax, they just clean. Whatever like, that. Oh, must be nice. Whatever that is, I just don't have that. I'm also envious of people like you who have no interest in drinking. <laughs> I genuinely am like, but because, because, because especially you as a comic, because you're surrounded by booze all the time and it's such a boozy lifestyle. I will get more stressed out when people like want me to drink and I'm like, I don't know. I know. But, but like when the, that's why I haven't done it to you. When the vibe is right, I'm down. But yeah, like if people push me to drink, I get annoyed. Yeah. But like I'll drink, but I need it. You need to let me go at my pace like a bird, like a big. Yeah. You you just nibble. And I am that person though. Like if we're like, oh, we're getting fucked up tonight. uh, We'll be at the pregame and I'll be at a 12. Everyone else is at a three. They're like, you've pulled me aside. Hannah, you need to. Yeah, calm it down. So like I fucked up with my drinking plenty of times but in college. But that's why the jo- remember at Baltasar I was like I'll get this because you and Des cost about 20 quid because you just don't drink. And then Brandon got in the and end but I was like no no guys I'll get this. It's I coming. couldn't be with a sober guy if I if I enjoyed drinking more like you want to be with someone who's like they like going out they like doing the bars. Yeah. It's not even a conversation with of Des and I. Of course not. Which makes it work. Yeah but exactly it does work. Yeah. If you were like 
throwing it back. Or if you were with a guy who like really couldn't be around someone who drinks, like Des, he's great with all that. Yeah. But like, it, it, but two guys, two people who are not great at drinking together, like drinking a lot, the fights that it causes. I know, hangovers. it definitely does. Even- you need to have like good drinking chemistry. Big time. You always get a bit scrappy when you're drinking. That That is a problem. <laughs> A little, a little pokey oh, poke. Crappy. Just trying to glass. And then you wake up casual. and you're like, mm, how's this night? What? I only had a gin and tonic. Joanne, you glassed a man. <laughs> what? <laughs> you glassed at the Carol. <laughs> <laughs> I always, I'm always glassing Carol when I stand up. The way you say your friend's name, Carol, makes me laugh Carol. so hard. Carol. Um, when was the last time you experienced extreme wrath or anger? Um, what time is it? <laughs> uh, not that long ago, uh-huh. but I I do think I can't. The Irish. I'll are, keep it. I'll keep that to myself. I'm making mass stereotypes, but I think the Irish are great at like, like being like "fuck off," but they're like joking, kind of. A lot yeah. Of first, like they're not too um, polite, and I love that as a New Yorker. I think. Yeah, I think New Yorkers are the same for sure. Yeah. Like we always joke that. Yeah, you'd be like, shut the fuck up and we'll laugh. Where yeah. We'd be like, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. When was the last time you were a sloth? So lazy. You just let yourself sleep all day. About two days ago. Actually, the other night I was, and again, I, I don't know if it was jet lag or the fact that we all went drinking. Mm-hmm. Well, you didn't. You just sat there, but <laughs> sat there and watched. <laughs> I was just like an angel. Um, but the next day, and I was like, it's the jet lag. No, I'm just sitting there trying to cope with my clock. sober anxiety. Because, because there's, I sometimes break the day into two. So if I'm when I'm touring, and you do the same, but you, there's a nap. You get up in the day, mm-hmm. you do your bits and bobs, mm-hmm. then there's a nap, and then you get back up and you go out and you gig. I love talking to you because I do feel like when you have a lack of structure to your day, sometimes you could feel like... Because you can do nothing if you want. I know. And then you start feeling really lazy. But also when we're doing nothing, a lot of time we have stuff at night. Yeah. you think, oh, that's night. I'm going it's, out. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. seeing it's my friends. A, it's not a thing. But it's like being a bartender. Like we have this full-time night yeah. job. And sometimes I have to be better at separating the days and being like, the morning is rest. Yeah, no guilt, no shame. No guilt, like, no shame. The other day, so obviously I'm in New York and I slept all day and stayed in that night and didn't gig. And I felt so guilty because I was like, it's New York. I should be like auditioning yeah. for Broadway or something. What should I be doing? I should be I should be in Times Square. <laughs> what should I do? No, I've gone to Miami and not even went outside before. Yeah. Just because I'm gigging and I'm tired. Yeah, that's the thing. So I've seen sun before, okay? I've yeah. seen a palm tree. But that's why I was like, I love Hannah because she's like, I'm just going to nap now. And I'm like, <sighs> I'm already doing that, babe. See you later. <laughs> we joke, me and my friend Paige were so good because we never pressure each other to do anything. Yeah, And it's like respect for each yeah. other to be like, I'm not going to make you feel less than because you don't want to no. physically go anywhere. Who doesn't love a cancellation? It's we're emotionally thrilling. exhausted. Um, and also we're on a lot. On a like lot. I can't wait tonight. We'll just lay down, not talk. Yeah. It'll be gorgeous. Are we laying down? He's laying down. Mm. Are we, we're getting in the same club tonight. We are. Yeah. When was the last time you let your pride or your ego get in the way of something? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I do think, and this is definitely not true, but I'm going to say it. I think I have a handle on ego. As in, I have one. Yes. But I think I know, like I went, the the therapist who actually did ghost me in the end, he was brilliant. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) I miss, I miss him. 
um, we were <laughs> talking about <laughs> we were talking about something. I was ranting about someone, something, whatever, and um, he was like, um, "Joanne, this is all ego." And I was like, yeah, but I was expl- kind of ju- trying to justify my position. I was like, everyone has an ego. That's yeah. Everyone has an ego. It's called existing. Exactly. And people feel snubbed in certain situations and it is all ego. And he goes, yes, everyone has an ego, but you've been blessed with a very large one. <laughs> and I was like, rawr. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's sassy. I know. <laughs> but I don't think, I don't think, I didn't take it, I didn't take it as a negative really, because I think in the job, you definitely need a bit of delusion. Yes, for to get sure. up there and basically die in your hell and think you did a good job but on occasion. Sometimes that happens. You have to just kind of, you have to have the inner strength to... You have to be psychotic to go up bomb and then the next day be like, okay. I think there's still something there. <laughs> I, I mean, there were only, I'm gonna make there was it. only a couple of people crying at the end. <laughs> I think I did a good job. <laughs> I'll go again. <laughs> they did have to close the club after my set. Because no one could ever. <laughs> There's been some threats. There's been some bomb threats. There's asbestos now after that bad joke, but it's fine. But I also think going from doing gigs and people not knowing who you are, and you're still Joanne, and then like a year later, you have a great podcast and you're doing gigs, and suddenly people are like, she's God's gift to comedy. Well, no one has said that to me now, Fern. <laughs> That's not one of the quotes next no, year. I'll be putting that on my stars. Yeah, yeah, Hannah Burner, God's gift to comedy, <laughs> the the nativity set of comedy. Um, I feel like there's, the, I could see how people would become divas. Like I could see, yeah. I, could, I see how you can decide like your time is more important than everyone else. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. I see how you could detach from who you really are to be like I'm just a famous person now. Yeah, because you don't have to deal with your shit. Yeah, I think the nice thing is if you come in later. Yes. It's a good grounding. Like I had a job. I had an office job. Like, you know, I've had, I worked in Chinese restaurants. Like I've, I've worked, I've had jobs. Yeah. I didn't come from drama school into stage, any of that. There was, I lived You weren't very discovered as a kid who regular, was told no. like, you are a star. No. I do think also your comedy is interesting because you've experienced so much life. Because at some point with comedy... Not that old, Hannah. No, no. <laughs> Someone of your age the, to be trying comedy. What were the dinosaurs like? <laughs> okay, no. it, was, it was the famine. I left the famine. The famine. <laughs> I just but, needed to work. But you know these people out of high school who start? Because I would argue, like, because I had other careers that I have different reference grinding. points. Yeah. Um, and it makes your comedy more interesting because sometimes if you just get famous, then you're like, you know, when you're like at the award show and everyone's like, that's not relatable. I think when I look at celebrities, though, who are like super famous, I think they honestly look very lonely. I don't envy yeah. that lifestyle. I really don't. It's good that you've established like friend group. Like my friends keep me like <laughs> they just shit on me all the time. Yeah, that's what you need. Like I'll walk in, I'll be like, I need a chai latte and they'll be like shut the fuck up yeah and that will keep you I'm like I can't perform without a chai latte and they're like well that's your problem. you need a reality check that's what you need you've got a chip on your shoulder yes yes yeah. so having the people around you who see you for you and aren't just like yes people yeah 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 I love just envisioning like we're like Mariah Carey at our gigs just but how would you but like if you are just say you are Mariah Carey yeah at that level of fame. No one talks to you. Like How a can you person. be normal? How can you? How you're can so you just right. be like, hey girls, what's got you when you're when you're when you're told you're different and special all the time, I yeah. guess you just believe it, don't you? Fame, they say, is like it's a thin line between like incredibleness but like a sickness. I think it builds nar I think it creates narcissists. We were talking about like I feel like there's a golden level of fame mm. and then it's downhill. It's yeah. almost like when people win the lottery. 
how they say like a certain amount of money makes you really happy, but then too much. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Final fucking question. Yeah. When you're going through your hell, what advice would you give to the listeners? Whatever your hell is, when it's tough, Joanne, with who she is now, how do you get through it? I don't, I don't, I haven't been in hell in ages. <laughs> I, haven't been, I haven't been in hell in years. So I was there for a while, but I'm totally out I of I guess because you've been in like, you've been in real hell with someone who would be like, I'm dehydrated today. Like you, you know, you have perspective. Like I you do, know what light feels like because you've been in dark. Sometimes I do find myself I'm like, Joanne, stop moaning. Because when you're traveling a lot, you, you, you do get tired and you do get a bit ratty and you're like, Joanne, stop moaning. Like mm. you love your job. Fucking mm. get up, get up on that stage and dance. <laughs> like the little bitch that you are. <laughs> um, but you know what I did do in fairness for, for all my flaws? When I started doing, like, when I started doing comedy and I, 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 I sensed there was something in it for me, mm. I really backed myself then. And I was like, right, this is it. Eyes on the prize. Go, 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 go. Now at the time I was single. I've no kids. I was able to just put everything in it. But I did back myself and I, and then that got me out of the hell that I was in. I basically just swapped it's One funny mental illness for others, not believe me for comedy. But like the the kind of like self negativity talk that you had towards your bulimia, you almost twisted it to be like, actually, I'm gonna love myself and yeah, support myself. Yeah, and, and make, be my biggest cheerleader. Yes, and make myself feel valuable with something that has nothing to do with my appearance. Do you get me? Yes. Yeah. yes. Joanne, you're fucking amazing. Where can people you're listen to you, follow you? Give me all the tea. Joanne McNally Comedy on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And my therapist ghosted me is the podcast that I co-host with Vogue Williams. If you guys love Giggly Squad, I highly, highly, highly recommend my therapist ghosted me. A lot of people messaged me about Giggly Squad when they saw you and me were hanging out. They're like, oh my God, Giggly Squad. Oh, also, I'm doing shows in Boston and Chicago <gasps> in on the 12th and 13th of May. Those tickets will be on sale by the time this guy's out. Oh, yes. Jump on that. Jump on that. Blast. And my therapist ghosted me is probably going to come over the pond soon. I'd say so it will, yeah. Out. Yeah, definitely. It actually definitely will. We'll definitely do shows in New York, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Follow her Instagram. Her TikTok will be popping soon. We're, we're working TikTok. on it. Oh yeah, Hannah's giving me tips. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I'm like in my late 80s. No, you're not. I'm like, I don't want to go on TikTok. It's just kids lip syncing. <laughs> but you know what I did notice? A lot of American comics, they're big into clips and yes. really promoting themselves and yeah. stuff, which is quite inspiring because I, I, I'm, I'm not great at that now, I have to say. But it's... You have incredible momentum and I highly Thanks, recommend Hannah. everyone see her live because that's way more fun than a clip. Thank you guys for coming to hell today and we'll talk to you later. So Bye. <laughs>